every athlete needs to run faster, jump higher or further. Right. And that's pretty much it. Like if you <laughs> run faster and jump higher in any sport, you're going to get better. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Anthony Mercurio. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods, and, hey, a little bit of insight and thought that I think will help you have a better week. So let's dive in. What's new? Well, I don't know if it's new, but there is a lot of coaching going on these days. Got my full cohort of basketball players in this week. Uh, It tails off actually a little bit at the end. Some of them have myriad things that they have going on in life, but man, right now it is cranking. I've even got a new guy in. Uh, I think I mentioned last week he was a G League player this year, but kind of on the cusp potential two-way guy, potential full NBA guy. So he's in for a quick two-week sesh with me and Joey. And uh, man, just really great. I love this time of year. I love getting the work in. And I love trying to help these guys get a little bit better each and every day. So coaching's going exceedingly well. Got the Sleep and Recovery Summit coming up here in just about a week. Working on my presentation for that. Really excited to give this talk. And It's hard when somebody asks you to give a a presentation on recovery because it's such a wide-ranging topic. It would be like talking about training, right? Like how many different ways and avenues could you take that? But I think I got a good talk lined up. It's kind of outlined in my head now. I'm starting to pull all the slides and stuff together because ultimately uh, the presentation is due this weekend. So got to knock that out, get it all set up, but really excited about the talk. And I think the strategy and the layout of it will resonate with you because I think too often, at least nowadays, we think of recovery as just passive stuff. You know, hey, I'm going to go to this cryo tank or I'm going to go get a massage. And while those are viable methods and they're absolutely things that I'm going to talk about, I think we need a much more all-encompassing viewpoint and thought process when it comes to recovery. So definitely excited to, to give this talk definitely hope you will check it out and enjoy it. Uh, If you're interested, I'll make sure I put a link to the Sleep and Recovery Summit in the show notes. Uh, You can follow it there. I believe if you watch the talks live, it is May 12th through 15th, you can watch them for free. So I think the only time you have to pay something is if you want lifetime access. And even still, I think it's like a hundred bucks. So a pretty darn good deal, really high level speakers. And I'm going to do my best to make my presentation worth the price of admission by itself. So definitely check that out. Uh, Been working on the off-season outlines for all my guys. I'm going to be doing more and more talks about this uh, in my YouTube and my Instagram videos, but really trying to help people have a better understanding of how I lay out an off-season structure and an off-season program. There are some big rocks that you have to touch on with everybody, but I feel like every guy that I've got right now Uh, is working around something. So how to kind of take into mind what issues they're dealing with, uh, what what we need them to do at a base level to be prepared at this point in the off season, and then how to create that vision and how to reverse engineer that athlete so that you can ultimately have them ready to go when it's go time. And, you know, we've got a specific timeline with NBA or, you know, G League level guys if you're working with athletes, you know, you've got a certain amount of time in your offseason. And how do you construct that offseason in such a way to give you maximum 
ROI. So I'm working on those a lot right now. Definitely going to be talking about that more uh, in the Instagram and YouTube videos. So if you're not subscribed there, be sure to check those out. Kids sports are absolutely cranking right now. <laughs> I think when Jess and I look at our schedule each week, we realize, man, uh, five out of our seven evenings, or at least five out of the seven days of our week, are occupied by some sort of sporting event, whether it's Kendall's track, Kendall's soccer, Cade's baseball. So a lot going on there, but they're absolutely loving it. Uh, this past weekend, Cade, I think, uh, in his games, I mean, he's hit the ball, I think, all eight times he's been up in games. I mean, he's absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, got Actually, I think he got his first out this last week because he hit it right in between the first and second baseman, but they're so little right now, the outfield just has to physically stand in the grass. So it's basically the way this team played, they had like 10 infielders. Regardless, the guy's crushing the ball. I'm excited for him. We got another game tonight. Uh, Kendall's team played really, really well this weekend. We won either six or seven to two. Best part for me there was we worked on some specific tactics in practice on Friday. And you know, with 10, 11-year-old girls, you're not always sure <laughs> if they're paying attention. Uh, they can be squirrely. They can be uh, just a little bit kind of out there when you're trying to bring specific topics to the table or work on certain skills, but they actually did it in the game. So I felt good about that and we won. So that was never a bad thing. So sports are going great. Uh, if you're listening, make sure you tell your mother, thank you, I love you, and appreciate you to all the moms that are listening in. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, definitely going to be getting on the phone with my mom on Sunday, doing some special things for Jess. As I've mentioned numerous times, she is kind of the backbone of our family. I wouldn't be who I am today. Our kids wouldn't be who they are without her. So obviously love and appreciate her. So make sure you reach out to your mom or any moms that are relevant to you because sometimes it's not even your mom there are other moms uh, out there that have played an integral role in your life and you know I actually had my real mom and then I had my best friend's mom who was like a mom to me growing up I spent so much time at their house and she taught me all kinds of life lessons along the way she treated me like one of her own kids so probably need to send her a little something as well and just say thanks to her so last but not least before I let you go today I want you to think about this uh, because I love having these little thought processes or these little actionable items at the end of this. So it's not just me incessantly rambling for five to 10 minutes to you. But the, the topic that I wrote down to today was believe in them and believe is underlined. And this is something that I come back to frequently when it comes to coaching because there's a lot of times we want to talk about hard skills, writing a program, giving the perfect coaching cue, um, knowing the X's and O's of, of training science and recovery and sports science, and that's great. But I think a lot of times we forget that we are in a very human space. And while the world continues to get more disconnected, right, regardless of what social media will tell you, right, we may be connected via a screen or a phone or a tablet or whatever, but we're feeling more disconnected in life. And so a lot of the people that I work with need somebody to believe in them. And this may sound, or it may come as a shock to you because some of the athletes that I work with are some of the best athletes in their respective professions. I mean, if you're a G League level guy or an NBA level guy, you're arguably one of the top 500 basketball players in the world. 
Now, granted, you go across seas and probably find some guys that could be in the NBA, but regardless, for all intents and purposes, you've got one of the top 500 basketball players in the world. And these guys, maybe not in a negative way, but they want people to believe in them, whether it's me, their strength coach, whether it's their sport coach, whether it's other people in their lives they interact with, they want that belief. They feed off that. It helps grow their confidence. And a lot of times people assume, oh, well, they're they're a pro athlete. Like, they don't need that. Well, sure, they need that. Maybe they don't need it, but they want it, right? Like, nobody would, you would probably never tell somebody, oh, you know, I don't want you to believe in me. I'm good. <laughs> like, it just feels good when you know that the people that are surrounding you believe in you. They have confidence in you. They know they can help you. And so this is something that I talk about quite a bit, whether it's with high-level athletes or the little kids that I coach. I think it's even more important to them to let them know unapologetically, like, hey, man, I'm here for you. I love you. I care about you. I want to see you succeed. I believe in you. And it was so cute. I had two instances this weekend. One is a young girl that I've coached for many years now, and she's kind of in a little bit of a mini slump in soccer. And so I pulled her aside on Friday before our game and I just said, hey, look, you know, what's going on? You know, there's, are, are you afraid you can't score? No. Uh, are you intimidated because you're a fifth grader in a fifth, sixth league? No. And so I just kind of came around to, hey, look, like, I believe in you. I know you can score goals. Like, you have a special talent when it comes to scoring. So just go do that. It's all good. You want to get people involved and pass. And I love that. Be unselfish when the time is there, but also it's your job to score goals. And she came out on Saturday on fire, bang four goals. So like that made me feel good. Uh, In a baseball game, we had Friday night, uh, a little guy who, you know, I've only coached a couple times now. He was struggling a little bit the first game, first practice, started to figure it out. And I coached third base for our team. So he got around to third base and he literally had this ear to ear grin. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? He's like, man, this is the best moment of my life. Now, Maybe a little exaggerated, but that's how excited he was. So just know and understand as a trainer, as a coach, as a rehab professional, we have such a, a big role and such a big impact on the lives of the people that we work with. So just let them know unapologetically that you believe in them, that you're there for them, and that you want to help them succeed. I guarantee you're going to have a stronger relationship as a result of that. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We are going to hear from our new sponsor, Exerfly, and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with Anthony Mercurio. Today's episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Exerfly. If you're unfamiliar with flywheel training, it's a method of strength training where your athletes generate resistance by using the inertia of a flywheel instead of traditional gravity-based resistance training. By accelerating and then decelerating a disc, your athletes generate resistance at all phases of the movement. This allows for high force training as well as eccentric overloading without the need for crazy heavy weights. I first got interested in flywheel training because I wanted my athletes to be better prepared for sport. Standard free weight training is great for the early preparatory phases, but I wanted something that could improve the rate of force development in both the concentric and eccentric phases of the lift. Most importantly, I wanted to make sure my athletes were prepared for those eccentric forces that they'll encounter in sports. And with their motorized technology, the Exerfly allows you to increase the eccentric phase of the lift from anywhere from 1 up to 80%. The biggest objection I had early on was learning a new piece of tech or equipment. After all, sometimes these things sound great, 
but really aren't all that functional or they take forever to figure out. But luckily, if you take the time to watch a few short videos and experiment a little bit, you'll be using the Exerfly like a pro in no time. Setup is quick and easy and my athletes are absolutely loving it. Last but not least, there are tons of different exercises and variations you can use as well. Whether we're talking squats, hinges, presses, split squats, if you can think of it, chances are you can figure out a way to do it with the Exerfly. The really cool thing is Exerfly is used by numerous teams in the NFL, NBA, over 50% of the English Premier League, and numerous Olympic developmental programs as well. Now, as a small business owner, I normally think, hey, this is way outside of my budget, I can't afford it, because we all know in a small business, every penny counts. But Exerfly has you covered there as well. They offer 36-month interest-free financing, so you can get started ASAP with your training and pay as you go. And when you factor in a 30-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, and free shipping, I really believe this is a solid investment. Look, the bottom line is this. If I don't really love something, I'm not going to promote it on my show. I love my Exerfly, the results I'm getting with it, and I think you will as well. To learn more, head over to exerfly.com so you can start building some savage athletic beasts in your gym. Again, that's exerfly.com. Anthony Mercurio is a professional coach for people looking to improve their physical capabilities for sport. In addition to building beasts on the field, he is also dedicated to helping people stay healthy so they can reach their full physical potential in life. His vision is to bridge the gap between modern sports science and classic training methods. In his mind, the goal is to create a training program that builds tremendous athleticism while also building resiliency against injury. In this show, Anthony and I have a great chat. We start by talking about how a PE teacher from Brooklyn ended up owning and operating a gym in upstate New York. From there, we dive headfirst into his training philosophy, the role of split stance and single leg work when training athletes, why extensive plyos are important, his thoughts on speed training, and much, much more. Anthony is really doing some amazing work with his athletes, and I know you're going to love this show. But enough for me, let's do this. Anthony, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Anthony Mercurio, and I grew up in Utica, New York, which is a small city-ish uh, in the center, literally in the center of New York State. Um, had an opportunity to you know, play some sports growing up. Uh, was good enough at football, I guess, <laughs> to uh, play collegi- collegiately. Um, at a, a good, pretty good Division three program at Ithaca College, um, where I studied physical education and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, shortly after um, I graduated, I moved to New York City, which is, um, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, for about nine or 10 years, where I taught physical education, coached football, coached girls track and field, um, did some strength and conditioning, uh, some different capacities, uh, was an athletic director, did a whole host of different things. Um, And then after my wife and I had our first child, she's going to be eight this year, uh, we moved back to upstate to be closer to family. And then when we moved back up, uh, we decided to open a facility because the space that I grew up in um, didn't really have anything when I was growing up, you know, granted that was quite a while ago, right? but even still with all the things that are happening right now and the, the progressions of strength and conditioning, there wasn't anywhere really for young athletes to go and just fitness in general. So it was kind of my vision to make something like that. 
That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And what what led you yourself to the world of physical preparation? Like, how did you get started training and just getting into this space? So, luckily enough for me, I think you know this is kind of like me repaying back you know, like a strength coach that I was fortunate enough to have in my high school, like we had a great, great weight room, but it was so underutilized. You know, we're okay. talking like late nineties, early two thousands. Well, I graduated high school in 2001. So like late nineties, really. Yep. Um, and, uh, one of the, the instructors there had the foresight to bring somebody in who was pretty ahead of his time. I would say we were learning power cleans and we were learning like Olympic lifts and doing all sorts of you know, things that you would look at now is like commonplace, but in the late nineties and that it wasn't commonplace. Right. Um, so we were learning all that kind of stuff and I, you know, being able to get really strong and help me athletically. And, you know, I never really got injured. You know, I might've had a couple of bumps and bruises here playing football. Like I played, you know, tackle football for, you know, I don't know how many years, but no real injuries that I yeah. can, you know, claim to have or things like that. And I attest that from, you know, like kind of being like a weight room junkie in some ways and learning all that stuff at a young age. So when I went to college, it was just kind of like continuing that. I wanted to kind of give back. I wanted to be a physical education teacher and I wanted to coach. And um, what, there was a great opportunity when I was coaching track and field in Brooklyn. Uh, our field was under construction and they were redoing our track. So we had, we were sharing a space with another facility or another team, I should say. And this is probably like maybe five years into teaching and coaching. And uh, a gentleman came who was like a, a mutual friend of uh, organization and the, and the other teams coach. And he came and did some stuff uh, with the team, like a warm up and like some plyos and different things, nothing out of the ordinary, but him and I kind of bonded. And he was like, Hey, why don't you come to this, this seminar with, you know, come check it out. And like, we host this thing and he, he worked for perform better at the time. Um, and they do like functional training summits and there's one in Providence, Rhode Island. And at the time I was in New York city, it was like, you know, a little bus ride and a couple hundred bucks to go to the seminar or whatever. And when I was there, you know, we're talking again, early to, you know, maybe 2010, maybe, um, you know, I'm listening to people like Mike Boyle speak and, you know, Mark Verstegen, who's the, the founder of Exos and just all these people who are working with, you know, Don Saladino, who's working with like all the Marvel superheroes and all these people who are in the East coast who are just like absolutely crushing it in terms of, you know, working with like high profile athletes and high profile people and just really like pioneers in the strength and conditioning facility in, in the universe, I guess, in the strength yeah. and conditioning things. So I started just digging and doing research on all these guys, like what they were, you know, like what they were doing, what their backgrounds were and different things like that. And then, you know, I just, it, it brought me down a rabbit hole of reading a ton of books and just doing a lot more than I had in general. When I first, when you go to school for physical education, they don't teach you surprisingly a lot about actual fitness. Right. <laughs> um, all the things I knew at the time were just from the trainer I had in high school and, you know, like our, our strength and conditioning coach, which was one of our football coaches at, at Ithaca. Um, but it was more of just the same stuff, you know, like we power cleaned, we back squatted, we bench pressed, and it was just kind of like same old, same old. And then you, then as I started digging into stuff, I was like, wow, I'm missing a lot of this stuff. And then I was able to bring it back to, to my athletes. The more I learned, you know, and then I got my CSCS and though it got into CrossFit for a little bit and just, you know, I did a little bit of everything, I guess. Sure. At this point. Yeah. But, but that's helpful, right? I think a lot of times like a young kid should play a lot of sports, right? And mm -hmm. then they specialize, same thing for you, right? Like you went and did all these different things and got a really wide base. And sometimes that helps you figure out, okay, this is how I ultimately want to do things, right? Yeah, for sure.
100%. So talk to me about this move, right? So you've, you've got kind of a, a set deal when you're in Brooklyn. It sounds like, you know, you're you're coaching and doing all that. You got some strength and conditioning. But that's a big jump to go from that to opening your own space. So sure. talk, talk to me about what's going through your mind. What prompts you to do that? Like, I'd love to hear that backstory because that's a big jump. Yeah. So I was working with with athletes, you know, because I was coaching football. We had an off-season program. Track and field is essentially just strength and conditioning, right? You're making yeah. people run faster, jump higher, jump further, which is literally right. just strength and conditioning. And I was being very successful. You know, I had a lot of female athletes go division one who were like top in New York city, which is hyper competitive in track and field. Sure. And, um, and then even in Brooklyn at the time, I don't even know if it's changed now because I've, I've been gone for about eight years, but there was no, there was nowhere for kids to go for strength and conditioning. We're talking about like millions of people, you know, right. and there's no, and there's nowhere for kids to go for like, there's a lot of like adult fitness places, but nowhere really for youth athletes to go and do strength and conditioning. So then I started looking into um, opening my own facility in Brooklyn, um, but the 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 uh, the barrier to entry was very large, right? Steep. Because yes, yeah, because real estate in, in New York City is is very expensive. Um, so what I did is I opened up a um, you know I started my own little LLC and started branding and, and started marketing, and then I would go and rent little facilities. Uh, you know I rented from the CrossFit gym that I had worked at over the summer, cause they like usually have downtimes, like during the midday, like I would run, you know, strength and conditioning, uh, uh, summer programs. I would do things like that at different facilities, like outside, I do like a speed camp at one of the local parks. And I would just start like that, you know, like getting things here and there yeah. and getting my feet wet with like the business side of things. Um, and I started actually building some traction at that. And then unfortunately, you know, we could have blown up in Brooklyn, but we ended up uh, having our first child. And my wife was like, I think we, I think we need to move back upstate, be closer to home and yeah. closer to family. And then, you know, one thing led to another and we just, oh, up here, the barrier to entry was less, a lot yes. less. Yes. Um, I think our first facility, we, we paid for like $800 a month for rent. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> Big difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we didn't have, and it was a small space, so you didn't need a ton of equipment to, you know, you know how it is with the strength and conditioning facility. Like you don't really need a lot of equipment. It's not like a, like a traditional global gym where you need all these electric things. You know, you get a couple of barbells, a squat rack and a couple of kettlebells or dumbbells and you're good to start something. Right. You know, so, and that's kind of how the trajectory went. So we started building a little bit in Brooklyn and get my feet wet with some things. I went to some business seminars to like learn how to run a fitness business, you know, or like a strength and conditioning facility, um, did a lot of research and then, you know, opened a full fledged, my own facility. Once we moved back upstate. I love it, man. I love it. And talk to me about that transition, because like you alluded to, you're in New York city, hyper competitive. So there's people there that are ready, willing, and able to give you money. Right. For but sure. when sometimes when you go to that smaller market, like everything's cheaper, it's easier to get off the ground, but it's also you have to like sell a little bit more or you've got to make people more aware of, hey, this is why you should be doing this. So is that what you found as well? Did you have to work a little bit harder to get things going when you moved up north or how did that work out? So we started off uh, like seven, seven years ago now as a CrossFit gym um, okay. because I knew initially and you know a lot of you know a lot of folks will tell you this who do sports performance that it's really difficult to make a sustainable business model just off of youth athletes. Yes. Um, so I didn't really dive into the youth athletes right away, and we kind of started off as CrossFit, working with adults and working with a lot of 
variety of, of athletes. And I still kind of did the summer program and those sorts of things, but our space was so small that we weren't able to accommodate athletes like during the season, like during the regular school months. Um, so we started building traction just as a brand and as a business um, to get exposure, to get that experience. And then at, over time, now we've gradually kind of ex- keep expanding. Like since we've expanded our space, we've been able to expand our offerings and offer a lot more for athletes and a lot more. So what you're seeing on our Instagram or my Instagram now is a culmination of like the last four or five years of trial and error, trying to figure out how to get more athletes in our community into our facility and not just thinking that because we did rebrand, um, when we moved in, when we changed spaces, we rebranded and, um, it's since we rebranded, it's been like, you know, you're just a CrossFit space and I, you know, I don't want to be a CrossFit or affiliated with CrossFit in terms, especially for athletes, because there are a few in our area who train athletes and, and that's not what we do. And a lot of times they just work on lifting and doing this and that and the other thing, but we spend, you know, our sessions are about 75, you know, right now in season, we probably go about 75 minutes or in the off season when we're in the summer, we do 90 and we spend the first half hour doing, you know, we're doing prep work. We're doing speed and agility and we're not even lifting, you know, we're lifting, but we're not, I'm not there to, to make sure they're back squatting a million pounds or do whatever. I, a lot of athletes come to us. I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but they can barely move or have any, like they barely have any bounce off the ground. You know, like if you try to have them do like little pogo jumps or jump rope, they're like flat footed and they can't stay on the balls of their feet. And so I spend a lot of time just honestly, like developing athleticism. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And it's interesting too. Cause like you said, I feel like a lot of programs, that's the initial mindset instead of being well-rounded and, Hey, we're going to work on speed, strength, conditioning, mobility, all these things that athletes need. It's like, Hey, let's just get them hella strong right off the bat. So mm-hmm. like to try and try and transition out of that, I'd love to hear what your foundational philosophy is. Right. So like, what are your big rocks when it comes to training young athletes? Well, I think young athletes, it's, it's really important. And I, the, the majority of my population and coincidentally, I mean, this is how it's worked out. Like I coached girls track. So I've always kind of like the, the high school female athlete for me, I don't know. It's just, I, I've always been really successful in that population. And right now our gym is probably like 85% like female soccer players. Oh yeah. And our, our local, our local team that is, I have the majority of that varsity team right now. They won the state championship in New York this year. So not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. So they're, um, you know, so for me, my honestly foundational philosophy is just keeping them on the field. Like that's literally like, I tell them all the time. Like if you, if you are hurt, you can't play, you can't get better. Yeah. Right. And so my goal is to keep you on the field. And how do we, how do we do that? We do that. You know, the majority of soccer players, like, as we know, are ACL, like they have tons of ACL or a lot of times, like, and some of it's just educational too, right? So ACL, obviously for like f- functional physiological things, but like lower leg injuries because they, oh, they're a lot of overuse, right? Yes. So you get like, you know, their coaches telling them to go for five mile runs every day in the, in the summer. And it's like, well, that's not really going to be the best idea for you. <laughs> right. You know, and I have girls who are playing club all year round. So they're going to club practice. They're playing, they're running track and field. They're trying to lift. They're trying to do this. They're doing like a million things. So they get a lot of these overuse injuries. So really my goal and, and really the philosophy for a long time is just keeping them healthy as best as, as I can and, and trying to reduce the risk of their injuries and keeping them on the field. And then, you know, the, the, the healthier they are, I always, you know, 
believe that health precedes performance. Like if you're not healthy and you can't like stay on the field, then like the rest of it doesn't even matter. Um, but then obviously if we're going into like the training aspects of it, um, speed kills, right? So yes. if, if, you know, like those, some of those girls who are on that team, I was just talking about like three forwards, they're the fast, three fastest girls in the gym. And when you see a ball that's out in the open, one of those three are going to get it. And that's yeah. how it was all through their season, all through the playoffs and the state finals, like those three, like they will not be denied and they're fast and they're explosive. And that's, you know, that's, what's going to get them to the next level and, and to be really successful. I love it. So I want to dive into this just a little bit more because I could not agree with you more, right? Like I've worked <laughs> yeah. with a lot of young girls, a lot of young soccer players over the years. And you're absolutely right. It's like there's so many competing demands going on. So are there any specifics, like things that you've done where you're like, hey, I found this to be consistently successful with this age bracket or these groups of girls? Like, I'd love to hear what you're doing with them that you feel like is maybe contributing to some of this, keeping them healthy and on the field. Yeah, like we talked about like just like five minutes ago, like a lot of programs will just like beat them up with the weights. Yes. Like we do tons of unilateral work. Um you know, like we're like I had a girl like single leg squat, like, a, you know, we do it off of a box to a box. Like we'll stand on a 12 inch box and use a 24 inch box as like their target. So they're squatting to a 12 inch depth. And I've had girls like in this in that are working right now doing it with a 20 pound vest on and 30 pounds of chains. So they're doing a single leg unilateral awesome. squat for reps with 50 pounds of additional load. Yeah. And uh, Alex Natera, like out of Australia, has like all this research and how much like you know, what that's comparable to, like, he'll talk about how, I don't know the numbers exactly, but how, if you were to do like a, just a single one of those, it's similar to have like, at least on like force plates and all that kind of stuff, how it's comparable to like having one like body weight on your back for a back squat in terms of like the muscle recruitment and the, the force drive and all that kind of stuff. So right. if I can, you know, the low, you know, that like lowest system load type type concept. So if I can put as little demand on your overall central nervous system by doing something that's like body weight or whatever and get the most bang bang out of that, then I'm going to, I'm going to hammer home on that stuff. So we do a lot of single leg work, single leg squats, single leg deadlifts. Um, and also for them, like we're talking about ACL stuff, like that's the stuff that's going to keep them healthy on the field. Also make them like hyper explosive and, and competitive. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Now, as someone that also owns and operates a training facility with young athletes, like let's be honest, a lot of times we're not getting the fastest kids coming to us, right? Sure. I always yeah. joke around like the kid that's the fastest kid at his school, his parents aren't calling like, hey, we need to make them faster. Like you're getting yep. the kid who's like a little bit slow to the ball or hey, Johnny's got a great jump shot, but he can't ever get open. So mm -hmm. I know you do a ton of speed work, which I love as well. So what are some key areas that you're focusing on to help your athletes get faster? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that we do um, we have some air runners and if you're not familiar with an air runner, they are a manual treadmill um, okay. for folks listening and the, and the air runners, we do we do max effort sprints on them and it has a speed and every, we'll do that in four week cycles and we have their, their scores on the board and they come in and they're trying to beat that score. So if the top scores on the board, let's say it's, we do in kilometers because that's just what it's measured at. Let's say our, our fastest girl one of those is runs like a 27, two on that for kilometers per hour. And so every time she comes in, she's trying to beat that, yeah. you know? So, so we get, I give them three attempts. They do two warm up attempts on the treadmill and then they get three max effort attempts once a week. 
And when you can put something competitive and have some intent, like maximum intent behind it, that's how people are going to get faster. So we'll do a cycle of max sprints on the treadmill. I have, you know, the electronic timers where we'll do flying tens. Um, and we're just doing a lot of things where we have a metric to base it off of and try to be as competitive as possible because when kids are competitive, like they're going to go harder. If we're racing, they're going to go harder. If we're put a time to it, put a stopwatch to it, even if I'm not even like really looking at the stopwatch, if I pretend <laughs> that I'm looking at the stopwatch, yeah. they're going to run faster and they're going to go harder. So trying to time things like I just ordered, I've been waiting for it to come. I just got a, uh, a email that it got shipped. Like we just ordered like the just jump system or the jump mat. Yep. So we can get some vertical testing again, like having these metrics for the kids, like, cause they want to see results and showing results in, in the weight room is easy. All right. And I think that's where people like we, like they love that stuff because, Hey, if I take a novice lifter and we're going to back squat in four weeks, that kid's going to get super strong and you didn't even have to do anything. It's right. a novice effect, right? Like that kid's just getting stronger. And it's like, you can show it to parents and be like, look at how much stronger Johnny got. It's like, yeah, but did he get faster? Is he going to be better on the field? And I can say like, this kid got faster. Like, and if I'm, if I'm running to the ball in open field and soccer, I'm going to get the ball before you because now I'm faster. That has tangible effect. Like if I'm jumping higher and I'm going to head the ball, I'm going to out jump somebody, you know? So I have some tangible things that I can communicate with people If we're (laughs) baseball players and we're trying to, you know, do a flying 10 and we're going to run to first base or we're running to second base. We have a tangible number. Like I cut this down by, you know, tenths of a second. So we have these numbers and these kids like to see it as well. And it makes them super competitive and work really hard in the gym. It's so funny that you say this because I can't tell you how many times where you're maybe doing some drills or you're doing some exercise with a group of kids, right? And it doesn't even have to be kids. If you just have athletes in a room and like, they're kind of like half-assing it, they're going through the motions and you're like, eh, immediately you add some context or you add competition like flag tag or something totally random like that, how hard they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're playing now. Right. Yeah. It's like, as soon as you give them that competitive drive, they're going at each other. They're trying to compete. It's the absolute best thing you can do to make people faster. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And just like the getting, cause you know, like sometimes like you, you'll, you'll talk about it and you want like maximum intent. Like, you know, even if we talk about tempo, like, and we'll be like, you got to explode out of the bottom of your squat. You got to explode and like go as move as fast as you can. And you know, they don't get it. But if you're like, you know, go get this before somebody they'll move as fast as they can. Realistically, you know, I right. always tell one of the jokes that we used to do in my, when I used to teach phys ed, I'd be like, raise your hand up as high as you can. And kids would do this. And I'd be like, all right, now raise it up higher. And everyone would go. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, you just told me you raise it as high as you can. And then right. you could reach, reach it higher. Uh, so you're really not putting in that full effort every time, unless you're something, there's some incentive or some kind of competitive drive to it. Bill Parisi, if you're familiar with that name, used to do yep, this thing at the Perform Better seminars where he'd yep. have somebody go over. Have you seen this with the hundred dollar bill? No, I, I, I've seen Bill present a couple of times, but I don't know if I've seen this one. So this is a good one. He has somebody go over next to a wall and touch as high as they can. Right. So he puts like a little mark on the wall and then he goes over about two inches above it and puts a hundred dollar bill on the wall. He says, now go get that. You know, it's the same premise, right? Like, oh, that's the best you can do. Oh, let's give you a little incentive and see what we can get out of you now. Yeah. So I love it. Okay. So obviously speed's a big piece. Now, I think sometimes this vacillates back and forth. Some people are like, oh, the weight room is the only place. Some people are like, the weight room is trash. Don't ever go there. I'd love to hear, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, like the single leg and the split stance activities. What role do you feel like the weight room plays in a young athlete's development? 
I mean, I think it, it plays a, hu- a huge role. And sometimes, like you said, like some folks get too, the pendulum swings too far. Yeah. Um, where they're like, well, the weight you can't, you don't need to do any weights. I was like, no, because like if you can't, and I'm, I'm a big thing. Like if you can't get into the position then you can't train that position, especially for athleticism. Yep. So if you have like, if you're really tight or you have really weak hip flexors and I'm telling you to get knee drive on your sprint, like you're not getting any knee drive because you <laughs> physiologically, you just can't do it. You can't right? get into the position, right? You can't get into it. Like if I'm having you do a broad jump and like, yeah, I can sprint and get stronger, but like, I can also get you stronger in hip extension and, you know, hip flexion and, you know, all these different things and allow you to run faster and be healthier when you're doing it through some strength training, you know, especially, you know, if we're talking hamstrings and keeping you healthy there, we're, we're talking about Nordics and, you know, we do a good blend, I think of, you know, maybe like a traditional thing because some kids too, like I have a lot of like probably like eight girls who are going to college next year and playing division at uh, a division one programs. And they all gave me their, their stuff. And it's like, well, they, we, we want them to learn how to front squat. And some of the girls were like, Oh, I'm nervous. I'm not gonna be able to squat. You know, we never squat. We never squat. So I put it in a, a like a four week cycle of front squats and they were all nervous. They couldn't squat over like a hundred pounds and everybody squatted like 125 plus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, we never do it. And still you guys are probably going to go to college and be some of the, the top five strongest girls on your team. Yes. Um, so don't worry about it. Like I just like, un, like you have to understand, like this is going to keep you healthier for longer and you're still going to be able to do all the other stuff. Right. And I, I, you know, I forgot who I, who I read it from, but they talked a lot about like in early ages, early stages, teach a lot of unilateral stuff. Yep. Um, because it'll carry over more to the bilateral stuff. Like when you get to a certain point, like you're going to have those bilateral things you're going to have to do. They're going to go to college and your college strength conditioning coach is going to make you do certain things that, might not be the best choice, but they're going to make you back squat and front squat and deadlift maybe and do all these sorts of things. And then there's going to be a time where there's like this trajectory. Maybe it was Mike Boyle who talked about it, but like unilateral early in your age, like when you're in your prime bilateral. And then when you get older, you go back to unilateral when everything hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I yeah. Like that. So like, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of like what we're looking at and we'll sprinkle in the bilateral heavy stuff, like just just to see kind of where we're at, you know, like to get, let's do some front squats, you know, we'll do some Olympic lifting complexes. We'll back squat a little bit, you know, we've been, and we'll do, and when we do that stuff, a lot of times we'll, we'll do it with tempo. And because we're trying to build, you know, we're like, we're talking about before, like we want to see things carry over. So if I can see you sit in the bottom of a squat and then explode out of the bottom, like that's going to carry over to you being more explosive on the field as well, instead of trying to just like to bounce out of the bottom of your squat and move as fast as you can. Yeah. I love that. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I feel like that's a really good tool to have you as a coach when you're going from, Hey, if they are used to only your programming, right? If you can get that summer program from college, like a month or two in advance, so you can start to prep them and have them ready because they already have a great foundation, right? If you've done all the split stance and single leg and body weight, and they own all those positions, it's way easier to take them from that and teach them to front or back squat or deadlift than it is, hey, this is all we do. And now you got to do split stance, single leg, and they look like absolute trash. Yeah. You know? 100%. I love it. Okay. So another thing that I loved as I was combing through your Instagram feed was you're beating this drum on the idea of extensive plyos and old school footwork. Yeah. Absolutely. Something that I feel a lot of kids, a lot of athletes are missing these days. So why do you think that these types of things are important in a young athlete's development? Yeah. I think we talked, I, I talked about it a little bit before is that like you get kids who are trying to jump rope and they, they have no bounce. They have no spring to them, yep. right? They're, they're heavy footed, right? And they, 
and this is, I think also leads to kids who are having a lot of like lower leg injuries. Like if you don't have that, like elasticity in your Achilles and in your foot and your soleus and calf muscles and all that kind of stuff that's down there, then you're going to be heavy footed and you're going to get shin splints and you're going to get all these different things that are, that turn over. And then your, your shin splints turn into stress fractures and then you're off the field, right? Like we just talked about before. So I think building those extensive plyos and, and a lot of times what people don't realize is most sports are not played at least change of direction and, and all, a lot of these different things, they're not done at maximum speed. Like if you're yeah. basketball, like you're not cutting when you're sprinting down the court most of the time, like you're jab stepping and going. Like it's not at, a lot of them are at like sub-maximal things, yes. which is extensive plyos. Extensive plyos are, you know, high volume, you know, like um, higher volume, like lower intensity. So we're looking at like lower intensity stuff and getting a lot of volume with a lot of work. And I think that'll carry over more to athletic development than, you know, the, the intensive stuff is important too. Like, yeah, if I'm going to go and like try to dunk on somebody on a fast break, I might need to be able to do that. Or I need right. to do some, some things like that. Or if I'm going to, you know, go for a jump ball in certain situations, but realistically like maximum effort things. And even if you look at if I'm rebounding in basketball, like I may have to jump four or five times in a row. Yeah. Bouncing off the ground as quick as possible. So that's an extensive plyo. You know, and if you, we look at just sports in general, I think most of it is more extensive than intensive. And, you know, my job is to prepare them to, to perform their best and stay healthy. And if, you know, I believe some of that, it, it relies on that extensive stuff that people are forgetting about with all these like high box jumps and depth drops and all these different things and trying to be, you know, crazy with some of the stuff they see on, on Instagram or wherever. Um, but those old school things have a lot of value. Even like jumping rope has so much value that yeah. kids don't even do. Like you can teach like great running mechanics. If you have kids like do high knees in place, they get a good turnover. You know, we used to do it because we used to coach, I used to coach track and field in the, in the Northeast in the winter, <laughs> we'd be in the cafeteria right. and we're doing like max velocity drills, like with jump, just jumping rope, high knees and like just doing that in place for 30 seconds as fast as you can, you know, and just building some of those patterns. I love it. Yeah. It's interesting because like I alluded to, we get a lot of kids that come in and they're not fast. They don't, they don't jump high. And so a lot of times parents are like, well, why are they jumping rope? Why are they like, cause some of these kids are so heavy footed. We give them like a band to hold on to, Right. Yep. So it's like a band assisted type jump. And I'm like, look, yeah. their nervous system hasn't processed how to do this quickly or efficiently. So the parent immediately thinks, because it's how we're conditioned right now, it's like, oh, they just need to lift heavier or they need to do big box jumps. It's like, no, man, like, let's give them the foundation first. Let's teach them to feel bouncy, fast, elastic, and then we can get into the, some of those things. But yeah, a lot of times they just assume if they're not lifting heavy or they're not doing like huge box jumps that they're not going to get what they want to out of it. Yeah, or doing fancy footwork drills. That's a, that's a yeah. funny one I get from parents a lot. They need better footwork. I'm like, oh, okay, like, what do you want? Well, I don't know what you want them to do, but like, they don't need better footwork. They need to learn how to like use their body better. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so the, this is going to take me into a tangent just for a second. But like, <laughs> what what are some of the things that parents say to you that make you want to roll your eyes where you're like, yeah, okay, I got you. Anything that well, comes I, to mind? Well, I think that like they, they always will ask for something like really specific, you know, like yes. really specific to like a sport or things like that. Well, you know, they just need to be able to like, uh, I, have, I work with a basketball coach and he was just saying like, we really need to to change direction better or like I forgot how he phrased it, but that's how I, I reframed it in my brain as like, okay, I know what I'm going to work on. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but you know, they, they ask for like these really, um, really specific and, and, uh, 
like if you're in a meeting and somebody goes on these tangents and they ask like all these theoretical questions about like, well, what if this happens and blah, 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 blah. And you go on these weird tangents about like things that don't really matter. Um, but I always try to reframe them into positions where like, yes, like if I'm working with a baseball player, you know, I'll, I'll compare it to swinging a baseball bat or, you know, being in a, like a shortstop squat or like stealing bases and things like that. But, you know, the parents want to say like, Hey, how can you make, him faster off, off the base or, you know, how do we right. make them faster or, you know, the footwork thing I think is the most, like they just need better footwork and they need better <laughs> footwork, need better footwork. And I want, and you guys don't do enough. And he, you know, you'll get that sometimes like you guys don't do enough of that kind of enough footwork stuff. And I think you need to do more of that. And I have parents too, that I'll say that I, because we don't do like a lot of the traditional things we've had, we've had some of my athletes come in and, and some of their friends will be like, Oh, you guys don't even lift there. You know, you guys just run around and do speed right. and agility. Right. Like you only do speed and agility, but like, again, if I put, you know, like we, I have some of these athletes, they're deadlifting like almost double body weight, you know, and they never really traditional deadlift and they're, you know, we'll trap bar deadlift. Like we have girls who weigh hundred, maybe 40 pounds or trap bar deadlift in 265. Um, you know, so they're definitely lifting, but right. you know, people just assume because we do a lot of speed and agility that that's all we do. And, um, so we get both ends of the spectrum, like, Hey, we need to do more footwork drills, right? Like we don't do enough footwork because we do all these other weird things that people don't understand because they're not in that, in that realm because they, you know, they might see, you know, some of these like weird things that go viral on Instagram where it's like a kid doing 700 core. I don't even know how they come up with all these things. They choreograph <laughs> these agility things where he's going forward, backward around five cones, turns around, catches a football and then does like 700 more agility drills right. that they choreograph. I'm like, how do you even remember all these patterns <laughs> to do this? Um, and then the other part of it is like, oh, you guys don't lift enough. You know, you guys don't lift enough. Um, but, you know, it's hard to it's always hard to fight those battles because you got to kind of just reframe it in ways that like works either it's a sport coach or, or a parent who's coming to you and saying like some of those things are, are not, you know, you're not doing enough of one thing or the other. Yeah. And I think it helps the longer you do this, the more experience you have, the more sports you're exposed to, you can give those analogies, right? Cause you do this long enough. And I shot a video about this a while back. I called it like finishing the drill or something like that. But People are like, well, how can you have a soccer player and a basketball player and a volleyball player and a softball player in the same group doing the same speed workout? It's like, well, like, let's just take something lateral side to side, right? A basketball player shuffles laterally to play defense. A softball player, a baseball player shuffles laterally and then they field a ball. Like the underlying skill is the same across all of them. The biggest difference is like how they finish a play, right? A softball player, yep. a baseball player has to throw. A uh, defender in basketball has to close out. It's like, look, guys, the longer you do this, the more you realize there's like eight to 10 really foundational movements you need to learn. And then from there, it's just context related to your sport. For sure. Every athlete needs to run faster, jump higher or further. Right. And that's pretty much it. Like if you (laughs) run faster and jump higher in any sport, you're going to get better. Yeah. And that's like, you know, like you're saying, like you got to build that context. Like I think that's we have a, a competitor in our area who does like really quote unquote, like sports specific. And I think that's the other, I guess the other one that's, you know, because he, he throws a, a soccer ball or someone will have you do an agility drill with a lacrosse stick in your hand. Like it's sports specific. It's like, no, right. you're doing the same thing. You just have a lacrosse stick in your hand now. I don't know. 
Like it doesn't make it any more sports specific. Right. Like you're never going to do a burpee and then go kick a soccer ball in the field. How is that sports specific? <laughs> <laughs> well, and look, there's nothing more sports specific than actually playing your sport. So that's exactly. what I always come back to too. Like, hey, look, let's do this stuff. Let's build a better engine, a more robust athlete, and then go play your sport and get better at the skills that'll make you a better soccer yeah. player, baseball player, basketball player, whatever. Yeah, I tell them that too. Like, I'm not here to, to build your soccer skills. You know, I, um, that's not my job. I'm not here to like throw a soccer ball into these conditioning drills or do any of that. Like your skills are for your skills, like your sport coach. Yeah. And uh, I'm like your strength and conditioning coach. I'm going to make you like stay healthy and, and be able to faster and be able to play your sport better, yep. you know, with the other other things for sure. I love it. All right, my guy, big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Anthony Mercuria one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, I would say probably start this earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Shantae, which is how we connected, uh, she has been trying to get me to go all in with, like, just coaching athletes for a long time. Yep. Um, we met way back before she was the movement maestro and who, you know, who she's become. Yeah. And we were kind of on the same trajectory. We both kind of started our, our things at the same time. And, uh, I've taken a couple of detours and, and I wish I would have kind of just like went with my gut and went all in with like the performance of athletes from, from the get go. Um, but we're here now. So I guess, I, you know, I can't really change the past, but I think I would have like convinced myself to start this and go all in a little bit earlier. Um, because honestly, this is really what drives me and keeps me like excited. Like I really, right. I get so excited. Like I still work with the athletes myself. And I get so excited for those sessions, just have so much fun, you know, watching kids get better and then going to, you know, we went to my daughters and I go to, went to a bunch of soccer games this year to go cheer the, the athletes on. And she knows all their names. They know her, um, you know, she plays games with them in the summer because she comes to the field while we're doing speed work. So it's just, That's it's awesome. just really great to see and have the athletes, you know, be a part of that and see like real progress and see them perform at a high level. So just, I guess, giving myself the, the go ahead to, to, take take it on earlier yeah and that's the most rewarding part right like as much fun as it is in the gym it's really fun to go out and watch them do their thing and just see those benefits and see them really playing at a high level right yeah 100 percent. love it okay my guy last but not least we got a lightning round so six fairly short questions your answer can be as long or short as you like so All right. start off maybe a hard one here number one what's your career highlight so far as a coach Career highlight. I have, I have a. I have a oh, I'll give you two. Um, so oh, when I was coaching yeah. track and field, um, one of my athletes. Well, I had a, had a couple of great athletes, but we had. A, she won the triple jump uh, state championship indoor and outdoor when I was in Brooklyn. Uh, and we, this is an athlete who was kind of, didn't really know what she was doing going in. She had like a little bit of guidance, and at the time, I was a very young coach. And I didn't really know a whole lot about triple jump, but just like with most things, like if I don't know something, I dive in like a thousand percent. Right. And uh, I learned everything I could about triple jump. And then by her senior year, she never lost a never lost a track meet. And now she's still competing. She went to Princeton. She's still competing at a professional level. Unfortunately, she's gone to Olympic trials twice and come fourth, which doesn't qualify mm. her for Olympics. But uh, but we still we're still in touch. And and I talked to her just the other day. So this is you know, probably 15 years ago now. Some of my athletes that I've worked with a long time ago. Um, and I think just having those relationships with some of my athletes, even still um, from, you know, 10, 15 years ago that I worked with is, is probably some of the most rewarding things, like seeing them grow up and become great, you know, human beings and successful adults. I love it, man. That's absolutely true. Okay. Number two, tell me about your first car. 
my first car was a Ford Thunderbird, I believe. Okay. Um, it was like a two door, like dark. It might actually be the color of my car right now. It's kind of like this weird, like midnight gray blue type color. Okay. Um, and I just remember it had like, if you open the door, the seat belts like slid on the side. Oh yeah. So yeah. when you close the door, the seatbelt like closed on you. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was my first car. I kind of loved that car actually. It was, that was great. Your first <laughs> car, right? It's always like your first. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like first love or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So speaking of cars, number three, what song do you secretly sing in the car when you're by yourself? Uh, I don't know if there's any like specific song that I would secretly sing by myself, but I usually, when I'm singing, I usually tend to be like R and B style, like John Legend or like Alicia Keys type stuff. Okay. I'm singing stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm into rap and stuff like that too, or like an old school, like Eminem album. Yeah. Um, which I can go pretty hard with some like original, like first two albums of Eminem yeah. like back in the day. Classics. But, um, yeah, usually yeah, probably those because I can't sing them when my kids are in the car. Because they're, they're too, <laughs> yeah, not appropriate, right? Yeah, they're a little too vulgar, too aggressive. So probably some, um, some old school Eminem stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like yeah. it. All right. Number four. What's one word you'd like the young athletes to use when describing your facility? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> I, I would say transformative. Oh, um, we, we use that as one of our core values. And, um, you know, like even yesterday, like we had, we were doing a complex, which is kind of interesting. And we had five girls PR their sprint on the treadmill. And we were doing like a sled push. Like a, we did like a heavy sled push for six steps and a, a 10 yard sled push with like nothing on the weight. And then they did 10 set, like nine seconds or six seconds on the treadmill. And I had four girls in my later group who just started working with me like three months ago, all PR their sprint times. Wow like in the middle of like that heavy, like sled complex. And, you know, we were just, we joke a little, we joke a lot. We have a lot of fun. And I think like coming here hopefully has kind of transformed their life. Like one of the books that I've kind of changed who I was as a coach early on is a, a, a book called Inside Out Coaching by Joe Ehrman. Okay. And he, he talks about being a transformative coach versus a transactional coach. And you know, when you transform and you, and you actually like love and genuinely like love the people you're working with and you want them to succeed and you care, um, that's when you can really transform their life and make them, you know, not only just better athletes, but also better human beings. Love it. Love it. Okay. Number five, fill in the blank. The easiest way for kids to get faster is to run fast, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's really sprint. simple. Yeah. Sprint often. Yeah. Sprint yeah. often. Love it. Don't just run. Don't go for like a 30 minute run. That's not going to no. make you faster. Sprint. Go sprint. for some sprints. Yes. Yeah. Number Short six. sprints and, and not when you're tired. I think yes. this is what kids get. Kids get, uh, they get caught up with like, oh, I'm going to go do 10 100s with five seconds rest. I'm like, no, that's not, you're not sprinting that's... anymore. You're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last but not least, number six, what's next for Anthony Mercurio? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Anything. Uh, I mean, just, we're just working on um, really growing our athlete population. Like right now, we're somewhere around 50 athletes, which I would love to see that at 100 or more this summer. And we're going to be pushing just to get more more athletes in the, in the building. Um, we're working with some club teams right now. So we have, you know, thankfully, I've expanded my staff. So we'll have like last year. And for the most part, I've kind of done it mostly myself. And we've kind of trickled some other coaches in that weren't the most successful, um, at keeping athletes coming back. Yeah. And so I've kind of like threw everything out, re, re, refreshed it. 
and started from scratch again with just me like running the programs and doing everything all over again. And now I have two other coaches, one who I coincidentally played college football with, who just recently moved to our area, nice. um, who I have a good relationship with and another coach who we've been developing. So I'm really excited to have like a, a larger uh, staff to be able to, to accommodate more athletes. Cause uh, obviously, as you know, like we can only do so much ourselves. Like if yes. we can't build a good team around ourselves, we're, we're going to be limited to how many people we can help. And my goal, you know, I'm, I still work in a, in a high school uh, as a physical education teacher part-time in the mornings. And one of the things that like breaks my heart every time is when I see a kid like walking through on crutches because they tore an ACL. Yep. And I could just be like, man, I wish I had an opportunity to like work with you a little bit, you know, just yep. to be able to, you know, maybe I wouldn't have helped, you know, like not happen, but at least we could have put you in a better position to be successful and potentially reduce the risk of that happening. So I think I just really, I, I really just want to get athletes, especially young athletes, you know, because like, for the most part, the majority of these athletes aren't going and playing at the next level. Right. You know, they're going to be playing high school. And if you're missing out on a whole year of just being a kid because you're on crutches and you can't do stuff, like you can't go on a hike with your friends if you want to do that, or you can't go to the beach and have fun because you're in a brace or, sucks. you know, I just, yeah, it sucks. And you miss out like a whole year of high school if you have to get ACL surgery, like eight months of like doing stuff that you don't want to do. <laughs> like you're sitting around right. doing nothing. So if I can just, you know, help more athletes, um, stay healthy and stay on the field and just enjoy their high school careers um, and potentially get them the opportunity to play at the next level, then like, that's really what I'm looking for. I love it, dude, man. This is so much fun. Love the message. <laughs> I love the work that you're doing. Seriously, man. Like we need more people like you and people that have listened to the show for a while. know I'm constantly beating this drum because, you know, coaching young athletes, myself, like SNC working with my kids sports, like it's just such a great vehicle to teach yeah. kids about life, about hard work, all the things probably that, that we mutually value. But Anthony, man, this has been really fun. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing? Well, I, I'm pretty much on every social in some capacity, but Instagram is where I do the most. Um, and it's at A Mercurio. That's my last name. It's A-M-U-C-U-R-I-O. And I have a website, Twitter. Everything is all the same kind of handle to kind of keep it universal. It's a good thing about having a unique last name. You can yes. get everything. <laughs> Yeah, everything all the same. And that's where we do most of our performance stuff. Um, because I do most of it, you know, in our gym, we still do a lot of adult clientele. So we don't like most of my our uh, athlete message and marketing, all that kind of stuff comes through my personal Instagram versus our gym's Instagram, which we sure. kind of do more adult general pop stuff. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's mostly a material. Just awesome. went on TikTok, but I've only done like four videos on that so far. So I don't know how, how successful that's going to be. That, that's four, <laughs> four more than me on TikTok, brother. So you're doing good, man. Well, again, Anthony, this has been really great, dude. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. For sure. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Anthony. Really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, I just enjoyed having this discussion with him. I don't work with as many young athletes as I have in the past, but it's great to hear guys like him that are out there in the trenches putting in great work and just taking it back to basics. I think sometimes we want to get out on all these crazy tangents when it comes to training our athletes, but giving them a really strong foundation helping them learn how to run fast, the role and value of extensive plyos, of being confident and strong in a single leg or a split stance posture. It sounds really simple, and it is, but man, that is the foundation that our athletes need. So I love the work that he's doing, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Now, if you did, I got one small favor to ask. If you're not already subscribed to the show, what 
are you waiting for, my friend? It couldn't be easier. Go to wherever you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon store, wherever you listen and consume podcasts, hit the subscribe button right now so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.